you feel that you haven't imagined? Even in general, generally in your life or for this? Um, so I've been thinking about growing up in Darwin and that the heat and the people that I was surrounded by and the seasons and the food and the culture and all the different languages um, made me think that maybe Darwin is part of Southeast Asia. But then it means that I grew up in Southeast Asia. Sorry, I don't... No, just, you do what you need yeah, to do. Because I, I forgot my notebook, so I take note. I can, okay, but I can also lend you some paper if you want. Oh, thank you. Easier? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but the idea of you might grow, actually grow up to be part of Southeast Asia. Yes, and if I did, does that make me Southeast Asian? <laughs> and, well, and what does that mean? But when did this idea come from? When? Or, uh, yeah. There's, al there's always been a sense that um, people in the rest of Australia don't understand what it's really like in the north, mm. in, in Broome or in Kununurra or in Darwin or in Cairns. Mm. Um, the rest of Australia doesn't really apply to us. Mm. But maybe a few years ago I started wondering, if there's a rap song sung by some African-American dudes and the tagline says, what if I was white? And they go through and they list all the ways that they would be different if they had grown up white. Um, and in a lot of ways, I grew up white as well. But also in a lot of ways... You don't, you're not I, white enough. I didn't. Oh, I don't know, I don't know. I think I'm... This is the question, like, if... If, if the extreme north of Australia mm. is so different to where most of the other people live, mm. then what is it more similar to? And who are our neighbours? And what should be our approach? And then that influences self-identity. Mm. Hello. Hey, dude. Hey, that was yeah, I just got in here with the aircon. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the Whitlam's open if anyone wants to use it as well. Oh, okay. Uh, and the reason I thought it would be interesting to ask you is because I imagine, tell me if this is not true, that you identify as an Asian man. I don't. Okay. <laughs> but uh, perhaps then people identify you as or in the world you are treated as, mm. whereas in the world I am not treated as. Mm. Mm. And so that's an interesting distinction as mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. the, um, something might relate to the context of the conversation we have had mm. yesterday. Um, I also have some questions corresponding to your description, but firstly, I think I can say, um, if I never go abroad, either studying, either, you know, having holiday, being as a tourist, 
in Asia region or in well Europe, then I will never ever think about the question. Mm-hmm. The question of how I define myself as an Asian man, mm-hmm. or the question of the relationship between being Taiwanese in the context of being Asian, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which means, um, you know, it's it's very interesting that because. <clears throat> In Taiwan, culturally, we've been colonized by so many different cultures, and people who have the high education, mostly our critical thinking or our thought notions are trained by Western philosophy. But in the primal, um, I mean, in the primal education level, for example, in primal school or you know, junior high school, we say junior high school because we we are influenced by American English education. And high school, senior high school, that um, we've learned some Chinese philosophy, and in general, it's under the framework of Chinese culture. Mm-hmm. And. But when we go into university, or even people who do the uh, master degree or even PhD degree, there is actually a huge shift that we we've been getting approached to the West sort of the so-called Western philosophy or Western inference, meaning when some people. You know, want to get higher experience of education because of the language. Mm. People choose America, mostly New York, or you know UCLA. So meaning LA, and um, and then firstly is USA, then it's Europe, and because of language, so people. Frequently go to UK, yeah, because none of us in our primary, primal um, education level, we we have learned French or German, yeah. But some people do. Some people they try to learn another foreign language, mm-hmm. so they go to France if they are a fan of some French philosophers, yeah. And they, you are a fan. I am. Are you a fan I'm of not. croissants? <laughs> croissants? <laughs> yeah. No, I'm a friend of saucisson, oh. sausage. <laughs> French sausage. Mm-hmm. So, um, so actually, the com- coming back to your question, actually, the the how to distinguish or define my, my cultural identity mm. in the context of Asia mm. has actually just very, it, how to say, has been a, actually a new, new situation, new circumstances. But it doesn't mean that I never think about that. Mm-hmm. But mm. physically, like for the past, Three to four years, 
I've been traveling around in Asia and in Europe, then this question has become um, revolving around my practice and in many different kinds of encounters so with people. Are you making work about it then? Mm. Or just people keep asking you about it? People ask mm. when we met, when we meet. Mm. And, and sometimes I address I addressed this topic in my, in my recent work. How? Because uh, like, that's why I feel like I'm addressing the same topic. Mm, mm. Like for example, um, I'm a fanboy of a French choreographer. His name is Boris, Boris Shamas. Mm. But it's actually Boris Cha, how do you spell? Cha Mans. And there's a, another, I'm a fanboy of another artist, Tino Sega. Tino Sega is half um, British, half German, and Boris, Boris is totally French. And I've been following for two years of um, Bohis Shama's work. One of his work call, is called 20 Dancers for the 20th Century. And it's actually um, a project where he chose he cho chooses a, a public space, for example, well, a space, for example, in a library, and then in a museum space or in a park. And there are twenty dancers located in different places. And the audience members just come to the space and circulate around mm -hmm. to see, to encounter each different dancer. And each dancer is dancing like three to four sequences of a specific choreographer's work. For example, from Pina Pausch, mm -hmm. from William Fosset, from Michael Jackson. So he addresses different collections from the last century of the dance practice, but basically in the category of contemporary dance or the idea of modernity, meaning modern dance. So people encounter different dancers dancing different um, choreography and in a way to form a map of the dance history in the last century, in 20th century. And actually, the inspiration, I mean, the original um, inspiring point of this work actually comes from Tino Sega's another work. So the way Boris takes um, Tino Sega's work to transform into another mm. language. And in Tino Sega's original, original work, it's titled, it's made in, um, that word of Boris is made in 2010 or something. And from Tino Sega is in 2000. Mm. Tino Sega is, um, uh, now he's a famous visual artist making his life work in the museum. And recently, in 2013, he won the Golden Lion Prize of Venice Biennale. Mm. 
and in 2000, he didn't become famous yet. And he was not entering the museums of fear and politics yet. He was a dancer, actually. At that time, in 2000, he created a solo work called 20 Minutes for the 20th Century. And it's, a, it's a, actually a 15 minute long um, performance. He's totally naked. <laughs> he learned and he danced 20 European-American choreographers specific um, sequence from Pinot Pouch, actually a game. So, so from Tino's version, it's a one naked man solo dancing 20 choreographers work and but he's changed to another version. Mm. Mm. And because I've been following their work for a while and as well as studying some, um, some notions of archiving dance or dance archives in the, in a, in a visual art contest. So actually last year I made a work called 20 Minutes for the 20th Century, but Asian. <laughs> um, the yeah, so that's retrospective. That's yeah. like yeah, the twentieth century that we're not in anymore. For me, um, because once again, when I approach their works, so clear that I'm not in that contest, and because it. Because as you say, it's a retrospective for, uh, of the specific dance history, meaning this artist could be a curator, how he select and collage the, 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 the piece. In a way, the perspective is very European. It's very European driven or European central um, perspective of, of seeing what the history has become, mm -hmm. yeah. So how did, so that you, uh, yours is Eastern-centered or Taiwanese-centered? Mm. But in a way, I, I think the, <clears throat> the approach or methodology is quite different because if, um, if showcasing different Dance, uh, different choreographers' work in the 20th century can represent a map of history. If that is the methodology that they have addressed, then I feel it doesn't apply to me or it doesn't apply to the Asian contest because, because there, are, there are no famous or um, iconic enough Asian modern or contemporary choreographers can be written in this way. Also, if it's followed by a question that what does modern dance or contemporary dance mean in Asia contest, it's actually very, you know, post-colonized. So my approach in this piece is I invite a dancer but I take the form of Tino Sega, meaning it's a solo piece and the dancer performing nude. And the instruction that I ask him to do is from his um, experience of learning 
modern dance, learning ballet, and the journey, his personal history of becoming a dancer. So that's the one um, material, one, one scope of material, and plus my, um, how to say, scholar research. Then we discuss a, a series of sequence that how he has learned dance. So in this um, 30, in this 30 minute performance, at the beginning, for example, we put the radio exercise as the beginning of the, the performance. Do you know the radio exercise? Radio exercise is something like very simple. Mm -hmm. It's the movement doing like one, two, three, four, two, two, three, four, mm -hmm. and then like one, two. Ah, uh, yes. No, I know one, this. I know two. this. But yeah. I thought it was Japanese, no? It's American. Ah. And it's Russian. Ah, but it gets broadcast on the radio. Yeah. And people do it before yeah, yeah, work yeah. or they take a break at work and they have to go and do this exercise. Yeah. And actually in China, in Japan, in Taiwan and mm. in Russia, mm. it's very interesting that um, because it's about the politics, it's about how you embody how a king or the idea, uh, ide it's, a, it's an approach of ideology. How, how the how in the national level the ideology embodied uh, embodies um, the citizens' bodies, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and in Taiwan or in China, the and even in Japan, it's the situ the circumstances is in the primal school or in the kindergarten. Mm -hmm. Every morning, the radio broadcasting. The exercise. Yeah, the mm. exercise, and everybody just you know leave the classroom to the um, to the field, and people doing this. Wow. Yeah. And you did that? Yeah. In, when I was in school, when I was nine, seven, seven, nine years mm -hmm. old, we do this. It's our memory of childhood. Mm. It has become kind wow. of this. So everyone then has the same memory. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So so I so in my in my version of the twenty minutes work, uh, work I look for or I collect mm -hmm. some I select some kind of this approach of movement mm -hmm. and and including um, this dancer the way he learned ballet. So so it's actually is actually I try to find, I try to figure out the the inference or or the the cultural progress of a dancer's body in Asia. Well, what did you find out? I no, I didn't find out something. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I find I find out. I select some sequence to be performed, but um, but you know, it's not. It's not like doing a Q and A. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Hmm. Mm -mm -mm. So then, if the, this map that I am still trying to make, I'm going to do the overlapping circles. So some places are parts of Asia and parts of the Pacific. 
and Darwin is part of a, a Southeast Asia and part of Australia. Um, and I guess what I haven't worked out is what the ramifications of that is. Mm. What is the, what does that mean for the people who live there or what does it mean for, um, like you said before about being the same but actually not being the same. Mm. And I have a question. Please. What makes you, what makes you disconnected? What, sorry, what makes you feel disconnected with Australia? simple one is that in the in the extreme north there's only two seasons wet season and dry season oh. and in where all the rest of the capital cities are in Australia it's out of that subtropical zone and so they have the uh, the American and the European the summer winter autumn spring They have four seasons. And so that means that all of the movies that I've watched didn't feel like, like all of the American movies and the European movies and the movies based in Australia, they're always based in Southern Australia mostly, um, they didn't feel like they were representative. Uh, that's why somewhere like Malaysia or Singapore feels more familiar. Mm. Um, and and feels familiar because it's got so many different cultures, but it's still very heavily shaped by its colonial history or its colonial present. Really, it's mm -hmm. still very present. So the the two seasons, the monsoonal and the heat, compared to just the the four seasons that I see that everybody in the world seems to think is the default, the standard. They don't realize. Um, And then also that my, it's not possible in Darwin. It wasn't when I grew up there mm. that all of your friends are the same skin color as you are. Mm. Because there's so few amount of people, you always cross other people and you always, and so inevitably in your high school class or your um, soccer team or whatever activity that you do, there's always people there who have different stories than you do. Mm -hmm. And that's different in, um, in the colder capital cities of Australia. You can really, s there's enough people to stay with just the same. Mm. Um, I think it's those two big things. And, and because, because of the large Southeast Asian population, that live in Darwin as well. There, there's foods and smells and markets and festivals and dancing uh, in a way that there is not in, in cities that have more uh, British-influenced holidays and seasons and cultures. Mm -hmm. I guess it's how to live, actually. 
Like I wear I with thongs almost every day that it's warm enough. Mm-hmm. And I take my shoes off before I enter the house, mm. which is like it's Japanese and it's Filipino and like it's mm. it. This is, but then when I moved to Melbourne to study at the VCA to study dance, people, people wear their shoes in the house mm. that, that have been on the street and have stepped in shit. I don't know. And I couldn't, mm. <laughs> couldn't understand. <laughs> mm, 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 mm. Which, but I still, I still feel whatever it means to be Australian, I still feel Australian. But I, I don't feel... In the mainstream, um, I don't well, or I don't feel Victorian, for example, the uh, state Victoria. Uh, okay. Uh, and and the way that uh, Australian manliness is performed, mm. I don't feel that way uh, because a lot of the way, a lot of the subcultures around that has mm. been in response to. Um, so sometimes it's cold, like even. This flannelette, do you know about flannelette? It's a type of material that's checkered um, and workmen would wear it, like people who are builders or whatever would wear it when it's cold. Mm. And so when people dress up as an Aussie bloke, sometimes they wear this flannelette shirt. Mm. But I never saw it growing up. Mm. And so they're like, what is the, a national symbol is not. A plant. And not, yes, and yeah. Which, but some of them are, but then also some of the Southeast Asian ways of, of living, of having a lot of family around, of always having more food than you need, mm. of, of um, eating at unusual times. Of, mm. But what I haven't worked out is what de- what, how do my responsibilities change? If I think about myself as an artist and I think that the, the role of the artist is to um, make a place where things can be reconsidered or re-questioned and ask a question that seems obvious because actually the obvious answer is irrelevant and so we have to ask the question again, then what? how does my responsibility change if I am... Southeast Asian as well as Australian mm. because if, if, I, if I am Southeast Asian as well as Australian then I am in one of the luckiest positions mm. because of the policies of each country and the economies of each country and my mobility and Yeah, I don't know. I think it's also about how Australia sees itself as being so far away. Mm, mm. I, f- I very often hear about this opinion. Australians mm. feeling themselves isolated mm. in... Dom- it meaning some point or somewhere which they don't actually know in the world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly it. So if we're far away, what are we far away from? Because if you say we're far away from other countries, well, we're two-hour boat ride from another country. Mm. Um, but if we're far away from other large colonies of white people mm. living the Western philosophy, mm. then this, yeah, this is true, I guess. Mm. 
But then I wonder about, um, this is what I'm trying to deal with, with the dancing improvising that I was doing yesterday. It's like, the body politics and how it interrelates with nation politics. Mm. Um, like, how should my body move so that it belongs to this place? Um, versus how does it actually move because of all of the exposure mm. that I've had to... Like, I, there's no way that I would be a dancer if... Um, the people who are my friends now hadn't immigrated from Manila mm. to Darwin mm. because it's the Filipino community who encouraged their men to dance mm -hmm. and their boys to dance and the Western community does not encourage their men to dance. I believe you have had several discussion on this topic with mm. your Australian friends. <laughs> you have sort of um, not necessary conclusion but a general idea about how people have some kind of um, consensus towards mm. this <laughs> thinking. I think Uh, when a national identity feels new or feels yeah. very young, like Australia as a nation is very young. You mean Austra You mean the the national identity of Australia, Australia in Asia? Uh, in Asia? No, at, at all. Like it's only um, what? It's not very old the idea that this is one country and we are one people oh. in Australia. And okay. so I think when, when a national identity is very young, people defend it harder mm. um, because I guess they're worried about it. Mm. So if I think of my... If I think of generations, like a generation older than me or two, then they would probably not enjoy the idea that they are mm. Southeast Asian. Mm. But at the same time, they would not enjoy the idea that they are British or mm. that they are German or that they are Norwegian or whatever. They are Australian, mm. but no one knows what that means. Mm. Um, I don't really know, but I think that most things are more complex than the uh, mainstream narrative. Mainstream narrative. Mm. The, like the, the general story that we are told. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. And I think that's why, that's my interest in the map, is that that is the story that we are given and then it is our job to consider that somebody invented that story 
And so it can be up to us to reconsider uh, it mm. if it's no longer a relevant story. Mm. And I think the same, similar things about a lot of different topics, about, okay, that's the story that I'm being handed, but maybe there's more and maybe there's more of the story. Mm-hmm. That's all. But I imagine you do very similar. When you're making work, you're like, oh, okay, that's dance history, but it's not my dance history. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so maybe in a way it's kind of similar where I, mm. I say, okay, oh, that's Australian history, but it's not my Australian history. Mm. Or that is the physicality of Australia but it's not my physicality Mm. and so where is the space Mm. that those two things can overlap that where is the space in the Australian physicality and philosophy Mm. for what I think and where is the space in what I think Mm. for Australianisms as well as any other isms You know, actually, apart from there's a well, in terms of um, the definition of national symbol, national identity, culturally, politically, blah blah blah. I'm always very interested in addressing this. Discussion or debate onto body, human body, meaning what makes your body Australian? Mm. What makes your body white? What makes your body look white? Hmm. Or Western, maybe Western as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's, but the the well here I say body. It's not. It's more than skin and color, of course. But apparently, skin the color skin is, it's the the how to say. If there is a spectrum, ah yes, and yeah. the the color is the. The color is the first layer, that people get understanding deep. Define your culture, mm. your behavior, as you know. Actually, I have some friend. They, I have a friend who is a American-born Taiwanese. In uh, when he was very young, well, he he was born in in America, and his parent his parents from Taiwan they immigrated. Sometimes he came back to Taiwan when he, he, when he was still young. He felt awkward because, you know, he's banana and he couldn't speak any Chinese Mandarin or Taiwanese language. And he feel awkward that when he, you know, spend time alone on the street, go to the shopping mall or something, he couldn't even 
order any food for himself, and gradually during his trip, he he rather cho- he rather chose to you know starve himself because he felt so shame. Mm. And in a way, um, because El California seems to be many um, Asian living there. Uh, but when he become an adult, and he feel awkward again because his skin, he looks yellow. So, and Amer- American people are actually super racist. So, he couldn't get into the mainstream of the, you know, some power game or in the society. So, it bothers. And I have another friend. He's French, but actually he's French Korean or Korean French because he, um, he was adopted when he was um, three or four by French parents, and then very quickly he forgot how to speak Korean, and the memory still some little memory. In Korea, in his body, but he couldn't recall anything anymore. So he becomes a total French. In his behavior, he speak perfect because he's local French, mm. and he's a dancer. But he couldn't get good job because of the politics in the French dance community. Is still something about skin, about color, about your look. You are not tall enough. You are not as a male dancer. You are not handsome or photogenic enough, mm-hmm. strong enough. Then you couldn't get a good position of a dance job. <laughs> But is this is this the sort of thing you deal with as well when you make work? No, no, no I'm not dealing with it. Maybe I deal dealing with some similar layers mm. in some similar situation, but but their their cases are totally different from mine. I think, yeah. But I but I give these two friends case because because um, I've been thinking about the question of what makes your body mm. something. Mm. So. So skin, rest, the color is the first layer, mm. and for me another thing is, like for example, like, for example, you you're pretty aware of a, <laughs> you know, it's it, for me it's it's very interesting and I like it, mm. and also I like my behavior <laughs> because that's totally my style, and I know the reason I. Have this kind of a, it's pretty Japanese influence, mm. yeah, or pretty I don't know. I would not say it's very Taiwanese, mm. yeah. But Taiwanese love Japanese culture, mm. so we have we have so many Japanese food culture there in Taiwan, and people in my generation we watch Japanese um. Entertainment TV program 
including drama, including you know talk show. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So subculturally, in my generation, mm. we are quite Japanese. Mm. Yeah. I think I just take on uh, the mannerisms of the people that I spend time with. because it is, it's fun, mostly. But you know, when I, when I once um, asked my English friend, well, Londoner, and, well, actually my ex-boyfriend, one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I asked, he's an artist, and I asked him this question, what makes your body British? could answer this question. Meaning I'm not I'm not I, I was not really looking for an answer but in this way he felt um <laughs> culture shocked meaning he never he never thought about this idea and it's very interesting for him that why a human body in some specific daily life or social context can represent something and beyond. Yeah. Yeah. So but at least he he had some approach from language and social manner. Some social manner makes them British. Yeah. Mm. Do you think do you think this idea exists? Meaning what makes your I feel I feel I feel it's it it can be um if this question is what makes your body Darwin? Mm. Then maybe the story or experience you told me is quite clear. It's about the cultural background of that specific mm. territory. Mm. Yeah. yeah, always. I think the um, and the cultural background can be nationally imposed, like mm. the exercise that you were talking about on the radio exercises mm. so that's a national imposition onto the body mm. that makes it become a body of the state of the nation mm, mm, mm. Uh, in the same way as in Australia in the same way that shame does because there is shame around dance in Australia for men Dance, mm. Mm. and and therefore men are first they uphold and perpetuate this shame so that they don't get it forced upon them, uh, and and then it divorces divorces them from their bodies. Mm. And so if your body is not yours to do with as you please, 
then it must be the states or the nations or the community's mm. body. Mm. Because if it was your body, you would do with it what, uh, what would bring you happiness and joy and pleasure and connection and sensuality. Mm. And I think a lot of the approach yeah, with the Catholic influence is to denounce the body, which is to say that, the, that I don't, I am not my body or I don't need to take care of my body. And that the body is something to be used up for work. And so perhaps perhaps uh, I would like to give people their bodies back. To give in, in, in this idea of nationhood wrapped up in the idea that your body is yours, but as, a, as an asset. Mm. It's not yours as, a, as a, a spiritual home, or it's not yours as a community connection or something like that. Mm. And it, it seems like it would be a nicer way to live in this nation. And maybe that is one of the differences between how I was lucky to grow up around people who uh, did things with their bodies, with dance or singing or whatever it was, um, and this Australian way that you can do some things with your bodies, but only in competitive contexts, mm. not so towards winning, but not towards um, spiritual nourishment or something mm -hmm. like this. Mm -hmm. And not even towards maybe your own mental health. I think there's a big... I experience in myself that sometimes my mental wellness is compromised. I feel anxiety or I feel... Uh, stress or worry and it is only um, doing something that takes care of my body that then takes care of all of that and so there's some kind of perhaps it's a leftover of the need the push of colonization is that you forget about your own pains and you keep developing the land and not like imagine imagine if if uh people came to different parts of what is now Australia and they didn't they, they couldn't talk because the language was different but imagine if they learnt some of the dances if the British men that landed in Botany Bay were able enough to move and be with their bodies and they were showed some dances and then these people became people and it would be harder to shoot them mm. <laughs> if you had danced with them, mm. I think. Mm. And I imagine that's what happened for a lot of years. I don't know, but I'd be interested with like all of um, the trade between what is now Indonesia and what is now the extreme north where I grew up in Australia, that people would have come and traded, but they also would have shared uh, dancing.
So maybe that's what I think about dancing, but I'm not sure because mm-hmm. I only just thought of it. <laughs> but I do, it's really useful to center the idea on that what I give in return for my passport is my body. Like the passport goes with the body, not the soul or the spirit or anything like this. The passport, the real real, like country passport Uh that allows uh you to travel. What it allows actually is your body to travel and to have a label of belonging Mm, to mm. a nation. Mm, mm, mm. And so when my body goes to another country, an Australian body goes to another country. Um, and now also with my, my friends that I breakdance with who were born in Manila but now from since 12 or 13 years old grew up in Australia now when they go to another country an Australian body goes to another country mm-hmm. though it was born in and somewhat raised and can speak that language and acculturated mm-hmm. mm. nice one River mm-hmm. good, good breakthrough <laughs> <laughs> if we think about Joe the man mm. the body no no I mean but what if mm. the map join that that you've been currently thinking of mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but transform into a male body how you how will you draw the male body, for example, how would we draw this part and label this part as mm. something? And where is it? And where is the left or right brain represent and the heart? I don't know that. For example, it's the human body and... Yeah. So it's like body mapping? Body mapping or... Mm. For example, I would say my stomach, so maybe this part. Mm. Super Asian. <laughs> Full of Asian food. <laughs> mm. Like I I don't I don't how to say I'm not interested in you know pasta, pizza. Um, I don't know French food or mm. you know every kinds of Western food. It's a shame, mate, because you live in France. I know. <laughs> I know, but well, I do. I sometimes do some with friends or in some situations socially. But but my stomach's really you know very Asian. I love I love all kinds of Asian food. And, but luckily, in, in Paris still, you can get some good um, Thai food, mm-hmm. Vietnamese food. Chinese food, not very okay. Mm. Taiwanese restaurant, not at all. Mm. Yeah, so, but... Then maybe it's your mouth as well that is very... Or your taste, your tongue. Maybe, or... Um, yeah. 
But so in this way, if I draw my eyes, I would say half of my eyes, maybe this eye, is white, and another is yellow. And how? Meaning, the way I see the world. Mm. Meaning, because how I address or how I view and review things are, um, you know, I. That's how I am now. That I've been influenced by those Western philosophy mm. training, critical thinking. Yeah. I think this is very similar to an idea that I had once when I was in a store and I saw uh, broccoli, and then Chinese broccoli, mm-hmm. and I thought, I wonder if that. Broccoli has a choice about whether it is Chinese, mm-hmm. and it probably was grown in Australia anyway. But there, uh, there is ownership. Somehow, even vegetables have a nationality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I just feel like if I, if I draw the. If I draw a, a map of body to mm. define mm. the different culture progress of my mm. my my body, what's the noun of embody embodiedness? Disembodied is when you feel like you're out of your body. No, embody. Ah, oh, yeah, embody. Embody the 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 noun noun. Right, N O U N. Ah, the noun. Mm. Of embodied. Embodied is a verb. So, it, it uh, just put a D on it. Embodied. Embodied. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Sometimes it's very easy, but a. Not, but, <laughs> but not often. Often it's not that easy. Yeah. Hmm. There's a book called. Uh, Project Ito, it's a Japanese book. I translated. I read the translated Ito, version. I T O H. I T O H. I think the Western name is Harmony. But in the it's set in Japan, and in the future, it follows three girls. And there's been a massive um, like a, a lot of people have died around the world, and so there's not many humans left, and so everybody has to be super healthy. Mm. But your body is not your own body because there's so few human bodies. You have to, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. you have to take care of your body because it is a asset of your community mm. and of your country. Mm. Um, and it follows like these three girls who, who form a suicide pact. As a way to say that their body is their own body, mm, mm, mm. which is pretty extreme, mm. but it's a good idea. It's a nice idea. Oh, and said, and in terms of the sexual orientation, I. I I actually just realized it because I I never have a conversation about 
the sexual fantasy until with my French ex. Yeah. Once he asked me, so River, when you started to watch porn mm. and gay porn, and what kind of category you you do? Mm. And I say, mm, not specifically, but sometimes you know you can search some keywords like hum, like um, mm. hairy, <laughs> like bareback or something, mm. and and we had a dis- a, a discussion of different category and. He just realized, as well as I just realized, I never watch Asian sex. And he does? No. No. Oh. He's not Asian fetish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he he has had some, you know, French or mm. you know French mm. um, lover or something. And I just suddenly realized, ah. Because you know, when you watch porn, it's a projection of your sexual fantasy. You are projecting your body onto somebody, mm. and that another somebody is something that you want to sexually address with. Mm. And I found it's all Westerners. Mm. For me, I'm I've been watching many different kinds of white Latino. I mean, general. Um, Westerner, uh, Western man. <laughs> so you have a Western fetish, or is there just I, more Western porn available? No, actually, Asian gay porn is also available. <laughs> but I just, I just never have a desire or interest mm. to click. Mm. Yeah, it's like a um, Westerner man's body. I mean, physically and visually, mm. it's more attractive to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yes, I I did have sex with Asian man, mm. so I don't think I'm Western fetish. <laughs> but just let's real, but let's um really interesting discovery. Yeah. There's a because I never analyze myself in this mm. way. Yeah. There's a company called Branch Nebula in Sydney and I just went to a showing last week they had um, and the start of the show people are on stage and they have a microphone and someone in the audience has a microphone and they ask them the question like this they ask them um, when did you lose your virginity or <laughs> what, when you look at pornography what uh. subjects do you look at uh, uh, uh. and uh, have you ever watched with somebody else and things like this and the person on stage has to I don't know if it's real or if it's scripted mm. but uh, as soon as these discussions come up about things that you're not supposed to talk about mm-hmm. it makes you question for yourself as well and I wonder I wonder if I can do that with dancing if I am doing moves that I'm not supposed to be doing because of the white body that is belonging to the Australian nation, Mm. then can it function as a way for people to wonder how they are moving and what's okay for them to be doing and what's not okay? And their relationship with the men in their lives and their relationship with if it's okay for their men to dance. Things like this, mm. or run around on the beach squealing and throwing mud at each other. 
what do you, but what, like, with the art that you make, what do you hope is the effect? What do I hope? Yeah. Like, what's your biggest hope for all of the effort that it takes to make art? Can you narrow it down? Um, yeah, so you can choose any one of your projects, but say the, like, the 20-minute project, because mm. then we'll have to finish. But the, mm. what, um, what was your hope? What did you hope that would achieve? Or you can choose any of your projects. Essentially, for example, the situation I'm here now. Mm. I mean, like Joe, Joe invites me, and I'm happy to be here. And now it's happening, and and the circumstances is under another circumstances where I'm not living in Taiwan, and sometimes I wonder. Joe invites me. Maybe it's because I'm not living in Taiwan. I don't know. Or sometimes I found it's ridiculous, but in a way it's so real that since I started to develop something in Europe, not only in Paris but you know general. I started to get more opportunities in Asia. So, but for me, it's uh, for me. I'm not thinking it's because I'm successful or you know. It's just I'm well. I'm still digesting this dynamics. That when I, yeah, when I do something there, then here in the Asia Pacific started to, you know, draw me back. Mm. But it's true that I started to. Get to know them is because I started to do some activity outside Taiwan, meaning some of people who invited me to do something they never come to Taiwan. So we we actually met somewhere else outside Taiwan. So what's the hope? Um, for example, this time to Brisbane. I was actually struggling because during Young Lab and Young Chat, there is another event in Japan happening, TPAM, you know. Yeah, and I needed to make a choice. 
in different positions. If I if I go to TPM now, then my job is to do networking as a curator, to watch program, to have a conversation, mm. maybe have some meeting, making some deal with other programmers. But if I come to Brisbane, I'm more doing like the job of being an artist. I spend time like an artist rather than a programmer. So, yeah, I event and eventually, but eventually I chose here. But at the same time, I know it's so important this time in Japan because politically, you know, 2020, there will be the Olympics in Tokyo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the Japanese government, including the cultural ministry, started to recently fund um, many Japanese-based international activities, inviting more and more people from all over the world to do networking or facilitate these changes. Yeah. So this time, so many people coming, and I'm not there. So I was, I, I, I was a little bit struggling. Yeah, but, but you made the decision to be the artist. Yeah, because I'm actually quite, I'm actually more comfortable. And if I, if I don't make creations, I don't think I can curate. Yeah. And why do you make creations? I make creations because. spend some time to figure out what my body needs. And then the journey of searching the need of my body leading me to make a performance. Um...